0: RU Bilingual Podcast, a podcast about bilingualism and world languages. My name is Nicole Rodriguez, and I am a fourth year PhD student at Rutgers University. And today, two other members of the RU Bilingual organization are joining me in this talk. We have Juan Ho and Ezequiel. So, if you guys want to introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, my name is Juan. I'm a third year PhD student at Rutgers University in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese, and I study
2: um, speech perception and lexical segmentation. Hi, my name is Ezequiel, I'm from Argentina, I'm a third year PhD student, and I study how bilingualism impacts cognition and how bilinguals process morphology.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, Today, we're gonna be talking about bilingualism. We will discuss what it means to be bilingual and the benefits of bilingualism. After our initial discussion, we will read some comments given by some bilingual people that we interviewed in order to get to know what bilingualism means to them and how it has affected their lives. So let's get started. Conversation by talking about what it means to be bilingual. Juan, what is our working definition of bilingualism?
1: Uh, well, there are many definitions of bilingualism. Different researchers um, define bilingualism in different terms. But um, our working definition of bilingualism is the ability to understand and/or communicate in two languages.
0: Awesome. And Ezekiel, do you believe that there's a minimum requirement to be considered bilingual?
2: Nicole, I don't think so. Um, Everybody who speaks two languages is bilingual. And there are four components in each language. It's uh, reading, writing, speaking, and listening. And you don't need to be fully proficient in each of these components for you to be considered bilingual.
0: Awesome, thanks for summarizing that. So next, how common is bilingualism in the world?
1: Well, um, bilingualism is actually very common in the world. Um, All over the world, there are more than 6,900 languages um, and that's all divided in, in 206 countries. So if we do the math, it's actually more than 33 languages per country. So in reality, more than half of the children around the world grow up in a bilingual environment and more than half of the population of the world is bilingual. So it's very, very common in the world.
0: Awesome. That's so good to know. But can you contextualize this for us a little bit and tell us about the United States? How common is bilingualism in the U.S.?
2: Sure. So the U.S., as we know, it's a very multilingual country and approximately 20 percent of the U.S. population speaks a foreign language or a second language at home. And in Texas, for instance, especially in southern Texas, is about 30 percent and in San Antonio, it's 40%. That's a lot.
0: So as Ezekiel and Juanjo were telling us, bilingualism is very common in the United States and around the world. And as our listeners may know, being bilingual is not the same as being monolingual. A Spanish-English bilingual is not the same as two monolinguals of each of these languages. Right? A bilingual person does not have to be perfect in both languages. Proficiency in both languages may develop and change throughout the years. So, as we're developing our proficiency in both languages, we have to remember that both languages in a bilingual are active at the same time. Think of a game of Whack-A-Mole, where you've got all these languages popping up at the same time, and we're constantly trying to suppress one language while we're using the other. So now that we know that being a bilingual is not the same as being a monolingual, and bilinguals are not two monolinguals in one, let's talk about some myths that some people may believe about bilingualism. Myth number one is that bilingual children cannot attain the same proficiency or academic level as monolinguals. That's false. Monolingual children's language development is measured in stages, and it's the same for bilingual children. The problem is that usually scientists or other professionals do not use the same scale or exam. So bilingual children do start speaking a little later in life, and it might have a silent stage, but bilingual children also can transfer linguistic knowledge from one language to another. Um, Juan, can you tell us another myth about bilingualism?
1: Myth number two says bilinguals often mix their languages. Are they confused? Is it too hard to speak two languages? And that's completely false. Um, Bilingual kids know which language to speak and with whom since age two. So mixing two languages is not a symptom of laziness or confusion. Bilinguals do this when they feel um, comfortable using both of their languages um, with whomever they're speaking to. What is true is that bilingual people who mix their languages know when and with whom it is appropriate to do it, and there are rules for mixing languages. This is a symptom of advanced proficiency of the two languages, and not a symptom of um, confusion or laziness in these speakers.
0: Um, Thank you, and Ezekiel, could you tell us another myth about bilingualism?
2: Sure, Nicole. So another myth is that bilingual children have difficulty at school, and this could be solved if they were monolingual. So this is completely false, because speaking two languages does not interfere with learning. And quitting a second language will not solve the problem, apart from the fact that you cannot really quit a second language. It's in your mind. So what is true is that bilinguals can use their linguistic knowledge to improve that situation. Bilingualism does not bring any problems. In fact, it brings a lot of cognitive advantages over monolingualism.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much for clarifying some of those myths about bilingualism. And now we're actually going to talk about those advantages that being bilingual brings to people. Um, Ezekiel, if you could start off this conversation.
2: Sure. So we now know, after decades of research, that speaking two languages is a great mental exercise. Why is this? Because you have to inhibit one language while selecting the words and the the word structure and the syntax of the other language, the target language. Being bilingual is like taking your brain to the gym because you have to inhibit the language, you have to pay attention to which language you're selecting and you have to switch the languages according to uh, who you're speaking to or according to a context and this switching is like going to a gym because you're training your brain to select one language and you're not letting the other language pop up
0: thank you so much for that Ezekiel. Juan do you know about what other advantages does bilingualism have
1: Well, um, being bilingual actually protects our brain. Um, There has been a lot of research showing that bilingualism delays the onset of dementia and Alzheimer's for four years. This doesn't mean that bilinguals um, or or that bilingualism prevents these diseases, but um, the research shows that bilinguals develop these symptoms four years later, approximately, than monolinguals.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that, Juan. It's also important to know that Bilingualism also has social and cultural benefits. Speaking two languages actually brings us together. By speaking two languages, we can enjoy and talk to family and friends in other parts of the world, sort of bringing us closer together. We can enjoy and take part in cultures and customs. We can tell interesting stories. That makes bilinguals bicultural, more flexible, and in fact, a little bit more empathetic. So apart from social and physiological benefits, What other benefits does bilingualism have?
2: So actually bilingualism has both economic and educational benefits. For instance, bilinguals are less likely to drop out of school and they are less likely to be unemployed. On the other hand, bilinguals are more likely to go to college. And importantly, bilinguals make two to three thousand dollars more than monolinguals per year.
0: Awesome, thank you for that. So, so far we've described our definition of bilingualism, dispelled some myths that surround being bilingual, and have described some advantages of bilingualism. Now, in the next part of our podcast, we will hear about the thoughts of some bilinguals regarding their personal experience with bilingualism. Right, Juan?
1: Yes, um, we interviewed seven people from the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Rodger's University in New Brunswick, home of Are You Bilingual? We asked them four different questions and we'll read their answers and comment on their experiences.
2: Yeah, and since we interviewed bilinguals, we gave everybody the freedom to respond in their preferred languages. So some of the answers are in Spanish and others are in English, but we will translate for you listeners who do not speak Spanish. Let's start.
0: The first question we asked was, what does bilingualism mean to you? Vivian Santa Maria Vega, the Department Administrator in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Rutgers, and Jessica Varela, a second year PhD student here in the Spanish Department, both mentioned that bilingualism means having fluency in two languages, which is pretty interesting because they're both heritage speakers. So to them, being f- bilingual means being able to produce and speak language at a fluent level in both of their languages.
1: It's really, it's really interesting that they both mentioned uh, fluency in their, definitions of bilingualism, and that that they believe that um, uh, being fluent in a specific language is a requirement um, in order to be considered bilingual. Um, You can also be uh, passive bilingual, Um, even though you may not have communicative competence in a specific language, that doesn't mean that you are not bilingual. If you grow up in a family of bilinguals and you grow up listening to a specific language, and you can understand it, but you cannot speak it, um, you are still bilingual. Um, you can just be a passive bilingual. That's
2: true, Juan. In fact, society makes you believe that you need to be balanced and perfectly fluent in both languages. But no, you don't necessarily have to have productive skills. You can only have receptive skills of one of the two languages And you're absolutely considered bilingual.
0: Okay, so now that we have this idea of bilingualism equating to fluency for some people, did anyone else bring up a different type of definition or what bilingualism meant to them?
2: Yes, Nicole. In fact, Rosie Reese, uh, graduate program coordinator at Rutgers University, um stated that well she she wrote it in spanish and then i'm gonna read in spanish and then translate so she said that bilingualism is a capacity um, that humans have for communication in two languages and also you need to know both cultures so actually being bilingual entails not only linguistic skills but also you need to live language through the traditions of um, its, their speakers and their customs through music or through uh, theater and how also people behave in that language, how people are polite in that language, for instance. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, yes, th- that, that's very important. Um... Bilingualism actually, as as you mentioned, um, involves more than just linguistic skills. Um, It goes beyond that. Um, And we have a couple of people here that mentioned in their answers um, the concept of culture and biculturalism. For example, Jose Carlos, who is a fourth year PhD student in the literature in culture program at um, Rutgers University in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese, said um, that at the cultural level, bilingualism is the realization of interculturality as a guiding principle of mobilized identities who are migrants, exiles, refugees, etc. Um, similarly, Gabriela Constantin Duretchi, who is a, uh, first-year PhD student in the um, um, bilingualism and SLA program uh, in the Department of Spanish at Rutgers um, said, para mí el bilingüismo es una forma de vivir. A veces es una forma de vivir que a los demás les cuesta entender y la definen como una vida entre dos mundos, entre dos idiomas. Pero para mí es una forma de vivir en un mundo más amplio que se extiende más allá de los límites convencionales. El bilingüismo es un mundo que me permite explorar y aprender cada día. So she's highlighting that bilingualism is a way of living. It's, it's a lifestyle, right? And that um, uh, people who are not bilingual sometimes do not understand um, the bilingual lifestyle. Um, and, and she emphasizes that it's a way of living in a more ample world that extends beyond the conventional limits of, of society um
0: i see a huge connection from what she said to what ezekiel was telling us before about language is more than just speaking it's living in that language and having that connection this global sort of connection Awesome. Those are some really insightful. Now I'm going to steer the conversation more towards how bilingualism has been beneficial to these people in their personal and or work lives.
1: Dr. Marcy Schwartz, who is a professor in the literature and culture program of the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at Rutgers University, mentioned that um, bilingualism has been a gift to her and that bilingualism has truly enriched her life. She said, my my language skills have made my entire life fulfilling and have enriched me every step of the way since early childhood. I have used my multilingualism in various professional contexts, such such as social work and teaching, before my academic career, and I have traveled extensively and lived abroad several times. My social life and professional life have expanded thanks to speaking other languages.
0: Thanks for sharing that Juan, it sounds like Dr. Schwartz's life would have been entirely different had she never chosen to learn a second language.
1: Yes, that's true. Um, Bilingualism can actually open um, many doors for people culturally, socially,
2: and professionally. So similarly, Dr. Jennifer Austin, who's a full professor of Spanish at Rutgers Newark, wrote the following paragraph. She wrote that bilingualism has opened so many doors for me and changed my life profoundly. Knowing Spanish has led me to the things that matter most to me and that I'm most grateful for. My bilingual husband and daughter, my research on bilingualism, multilingual friends from many places, connections to my students and community. So here we can see, I guess, bilingualism as a way of meeting people, as an opportunity to build connections, professional connections and also personal connections, and also bilingualism has um, a way of uh, living interpersonal relations that are not being limited by the words of one language, but can also benefit and not being limited by the words of one language.
1: Yes, uh, bilingualism is not only a connection to other cultures, um, other people, but also it um, opens doors to um, have access to other types of information. For example, in the case of uh, Jose Carlos, um, he mentioned that bilingualism allowed him to progress in his professional aspirations and that it allowed him to approach other fields of study where monolingualism would have been insufficient. And that's um, actually very important in my personal experience to Um, Speaking a second language has given me access to information that is not available in my first language.
0: That's cool. It sounds like bilingualism has been very beneficial to these people in their professional and also personal lives. But now I'm wondering if bilingualism has ever presented any challenges for them.
2: Another person we interviewed, Vivian, said, Sometimes I find that I can say a word or process a sentence better in one language than the other therefore it may take me more time to dictate what i have to say this is absolutely normal in bilingual people because there are two languages that are competing in in our mind at the same time so for instance if i say the word uh ball in spanish if i want to say that word pelota, pelota is competing with ball in my mind so it's normal that it takes a tiny bit more time for me to say or process that word or even sentences, but this is not a, a drawback. It, we do need to be a tiny bit more patient uh, when we're bilinguals because we have a lot more linguistic information in our minds, but this shouldn't be a problem. Yes, that's absolutely normal. Um, bilinguals have more linguistic
1: information in their minds, and sometimes they tend to use one specific word um, in one language than in the other, so it may take a little more time to find certain words um, in certain situations. And as you said, um, people need to be a little more patient uh, about um, uh, the, the effects of bilingualism. Um, for example, Gabriela mentioned that sometimes people assume that you are deficient in one of the languages you speak. She said that she thinks the idea of nativeness is pretty detrimental because it suggests that a bilingual person's linguistic identity must be limited to or more concerned with just one of the languages they speak. I think this relates a lot with what Vivian said, Ezequiel, since they are both talking about um, differences in processing in, in both of the languages and having different skills in both of the languages, and this is completely normal for bilinguals. It should not be considered as something negative.
0: It's interesting you mention that, Juan, because that reminds me of something that Jessica said as a response to that question, where she mentioned that she feels like she didn't speak good Spanish growing up which is a struggle that a lot of heritage speakers face. I know I identify with that struggle as well. Growing up, I also felt inadequate in my Spanish abilities. And Jessica mentioned that she thinks that it's due to the fact that, well, she received a formal education in English and not so much one in Spanish. So she felt as though like her Spanish skills weren't good enough because she never had that education background or that formal education to back it up.
1: So this takes us back to the definition of bilingualism that we, uh, mentioned at the beginning, because if people believe that being bilingual means being fluent in, in both of their languages, um, this puts some type of pressure on bilinguals, and, and it sets this um, unrealistic um, expectation that bilinguals have to be fluent in both of their languages. And as we mentioned at the beginning, bilinguals can have um, different skills in both of the languages. You may have um, good reading and writing skills in in Spanish, but not in English, Um, and that's perfectly fine. And and, and society makes you believe that um, if you don't meet a specific requirement, then you are deficient or or you are not bilingual enough. Um, And that definitely has to change.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to note that bilingualism isn't an end state. Rather, it's more of a process, this like, lifelong journey that we're on, where like our skills in each of these things that you were mentioning, reading, writing, speaking, listening, are going to fluctuate and change as our environment changes, as our life goes on, and as we learn more, right? It's not like we're getting to an end state and that's it, we're bilingual. No, we continue to learn as we move on through life. So I think this notion of you're not, you don't feel like you speak good enough Spanish definitely comes from that unrealistic expectation that you were talking about, mm-hmm. where that's not com- the case at all. We're constantly learning and we're constantly changing, and that includes our language.
1: Yeah, and it's a process that fluctuates throughout um, your lifespan, you know? It's like some part, or some years, you may have higher exposure to one specific language, and your competence in that specific language improves. Um, but then you lose contact with the language and then, you know, your skills change and then that's perfectly normal.
0: No, you're completely right. Completely
1: agree. Absolutely true.
0: So the last question that we ask these bilinguals in the Spanish department at Rutgers University is, how has your identity and your relationship to your community impacted the fact that you are bilingual?
1: Um, Gabriela mentioned that um, for her bilingualism has always been a way of identifying herself with other people. Um, In similar terms, Jose Carlos mentioned that bilingualism has been a medium to create um, close ties and personal connections with with people. It hasn't been an end, but it's been an indispensable medium.
2: True, Juanjo. So this is very similar to what Dr. Jennifer Austin said, Um, She feels very fortunate to be able to use Spanish in her community in New York City. And she finds that there are a lot of opportunities to learn more about the language and cultures in a multilingual city or society. And also she mentioned something rewarding. She said that she's able to help people, strangers on the street with her her Spanish, maybe people who uh, do not speak English and she as a bilingual can help her, um, help them with anything they need. Yes, bilingualism definitely
1: gives you the opportunity to connect with, um, with different people and, and engage more more with your community. Um, and you get the opportunity not only to, to um, connect with people who are bilingual, but also with monolingual people who speak Um, any of your languages. So you have a more ample network of people and you can engage in your community in many more ways.
0: That's so true, Juanjo. And actually someone who grew up in a bilingual community, Jessica, one of our interviewees, she states, I identify as Latina, but I also identify as American. I love eating baleadas and I love eating burgers and fries. She continues to write, I love being bilingual because I feel it not only helps me, but I'm able to help others as well. So for her, bilingualism really is about this community relationship that she's built with the people around her, which is so awesome that the languages she speaks has impacted the relationship she has with the people all around her.
1: Exactly, because bilingualism is not just about the linguistic skills, but also about the culture and the community engagement and all the other benefits um, that we have discussed.
0: That was a perfect note to end on. To summarize, today we've talked about what bilingualism is as per our definition, some myths around it, some challenges, benefits, and we had a really insightful discussion with seven bilinguals about what being bilingual means to them and how it has impacted their not only personal, professional, and community life. That's everything we have for today. Thank you all for listening to the very first episode of the Are You Bilingual podcast.
1: If you want to find out more about Are You Bilingual in the work that we do, you can visit Are You Bilingual's website
2: at rubilingual.weebly.com. And you should follow us on our social media as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Are You Bilingual.